You are listening to You Were Made For This, the podcast to help transform your relationships into the best they can be. Welcome to You Were Made For This. If you find yourself wanting more from your relationships, you've come to the right place. Here you'll discover practical principles you can use to experience the life-giving relationships you were made for. And now here's your host, John Sertalic. Hey, thank you, Carol, and hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode, where today we consider a simple thing we can do to nurture our relationships with people. You know, some of us are doing better than others in coping with the pandemic we're living through here in 2020. For those of us who are, and who want to help those of us who are not, you may find today's episode helpful. I recently came across an idea you may want to consider if you have people in your life struggling with the isolation we are experiencing during these difficult days. Listen in as we consider an old-school strategy that research has shown to be effective in caring for the emotional health of people close to us. It's an idea that comes out of a newspaper article by Jamie Friedlander in the Washington Post on September 15th of this year. It's entitled, Why Sending Letters During the Pandemic Might Help a Loved One. I'll read a few excerpts from the article. It starts with this. Supporting friends and family who are going through a hard time used to involve meaningful chats at the local coffee shop, venting over a glass of wine on the couch, or a warm embrace followed by words of encouragement. Now, because of the coronavirus pandemic, those traditions are on hold. But we can take another approach, sending handwritten letters. The old-fashioned gesture could be particularly beneficial now. The pandemic is adversely affecting Americans' mental health, and research suggests that being contacted by letter can lower the risk of suicide. Besides, after months of remote work and virtual communication, many people might welcome a tangible alternative to yet another Zoom call. If you know someone who is troubled, that person is not alone. According to data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, there has been a stark increase in emotional distress among Americans since the pandemic began. In June, nearly 31% of U.S. adults reported symptoms of anxiety or depression, while almost 11% said they had seriously considered suicide. The prevalence of anxiety symptoms alone was about triple that of the same time period in 2019. One contributing factor to the national mental health struggles during the pandemic has been the ongoing social isolation plaguing millions of Americans. It's the greatest concern of Amanda Spray, clinical associate professor of psychiatry at New York University's Grossman School of Medicine. And she wrote, social isolation is a symptom of depression, she said, and it leads to worsening of depression. She goes on to say that letters help provide social support, even if you can't be there with your friend or family member holding their hand, and being by their side. Research indicates that such support can have a significant impact on recipients' mental health. Isn't that interesting? 
The author, Jamie Friedlander, goes on to say that the medium is as important as the message. People consider letters meaningful because so much effort goes into sending them. It takes time to find the right stationery, to think about what to write, to buy the postage stamps, to look up the person's address, and find a post box. It requires a kind of deliberation that is lacking in our time of fast-paced messaging and media. When you receive a handwritten letter, you reflexively start imagining the author sitting down and reflecting, thinking about you. That's why it's so very effective at showing someone does care about you. You know, we hear that from missionaries all the time, that one of the things that they really appreciate is getting a handwritten letter from someone back here in the States. You know, it's so easy to send emails, but to actually write a letter and to get an international stamp from the post office and then mail the letter requires more effort. And that effort uh, does not go unappreciated by missionaries and people living in uh, other countries around the world. Well, the author goes on to offer some suggestions or tips in writing these letters. The first one is don't worry about finding the perfect thing to say. And she in turn quotes someone um, by the name of Emily McDowell, who started a stationery shop, who talked about the importance of letters in her uh, recovering from cancer. And she said the following, The hardest thing about having cancer was not losing my hair or those other things you hear about, she says. It was the loneliness I felt when friends and family didn't know what to say and ended up disappearing as a result. The author emphasized the importance of being sincere and personal as possible in these letters instead of really focusing on writing the perfect message. Quote, Sometimes we get so distracted by trying to find the right things to say, we don't even realize that we sacrifice being absolutely genuine, unquote. Her second suggestion in writing these letters is to picture the recipient before you begin writing. Instead of thinking about yourself and what to say, envision the other person. What do you like about them? Why are you grateful to have them in your life. Have you ever learned anything meaningful from them? A third suggestion is to focus on the future. If possible, share your hopes for something you wish to do or experience with the other person once the pandemic has ended. That lens in the letter helps that person and yourself be a little bit more future-oriented. It exudes some hope. Wow, I think that's great. And the last tip is this. Remember the elderly. Not only are older family members less likely to be tech-savvy enough for a video chat, but they're also more prone to loneliness, the author says. I think they're especially vulnerable throughout this pandemic for so many reasons. Letters could really impact their sense of loneliness and social connection in a very powerful way. Hmm. Well, I just thought that was an interesting article. And I'll have a link to the entire article at the end of the show notes. Now, if you forget everything else, here's the one thing I hope you remember from, from today's episode. And that is, one effective way to care for someone feeling isolated 
and alone during our pandemic is to write them a letter. Well, what can all of us do in response to today's show? Well, I think the answer is obvious, and that is to write a letter to someone. And I wanted to write a letter incorporating some of the suggestions of uh, Jamie Friedlander in that Washington Post article. So I'm thinking about who I could write a letter to. I thought of my Aunt Lucille, and she easily came to mind because she celebrated her 100th birthday just a few weeks ago in early October. So let me just share with you what I wrote to her, and uh, hopefully it'll give you some ideas of uh, an elderly person you could write to, um, or someone else who perhaps isn't elderly. So here's what I wrote. Dear Aunt Lucille, I enjoyed talking to you a few weeks ago on your 100th birthday. After we talked, I started thinking about the many things you have experienced since your first birthday on October 5th, 1920. You lived through the Roaring Twenties and Prohibition. You were only nine years old when the Great Depression started in 1929. I wonder what that was like for you living during those difficult days. And then there were the wars our country has been involved with since 1920. The bombing of Pearl Harbor that started World War II. You were only 21 years old then. Then the Korean War, Vietnam, and the wars in the Mideast since September 11, 2001. From Woodrow Wilson, who was in office when you were born, to Donald Trump today, you have lived through 17 different presidents. I find that amazing. And who knows, maybe there will be an 18th new president in a few weeks. You lived through so many cultural changes in your 100 years, and so many inventions too. But in spite of all the changes you've seen in your lifetime, there are a few things that have been constant in your life. For example, one thing that you've touched on when we've talked in the past or in letters you have written to me has been your faith in God. I have so appreciated your reference to praying to God. That is one constant that puts all the other experiences in life in proper perspective. Another constant you've shared with me is your love for your family. You have written and spoken fondly of your children, my cousins, Diane, Jean, Duane, Jack, and David. And you've given me updates of what's going on in their lives. It gives me a sense of being connected with my roots as I learn about my cousins. I wish I would have asked you more about Uncle Ray, though, your husband. I distinctly remember visiting you as a young boy before I was a teenager. You were very kind and gracious to my parents and four siblings during our visit. I also remember our family visiting you the summer after I graduated from high school and before I started college. That was a fun time. I also remember uh, you and Aunt Virginia and Aunt Rodell visiting my parents back in the 70s or 80s. I think Jean may have driven you from Wadena, Wadena, Minnesota, to Milwaukee. What a kind thing for all of you to do to visit your youngest sister, my mother. But the visit I remember most distinctly happened maybe 10 or 15 years ago when Janet and I drove up to your home in Wadena, Minnesota, 
to spend a few days with you in Aunt Virginia. You were so gracious and hospitable to Janet and me. You made us feel right at home. I wanted to learn more about my family history, and you were so patient in answering my questions and going through all the many photographs you had of family members, both living and deceased. It really made me feel connected. During our visit, I also greatly appreciated driving past the farmhouse in Staples, Minnesota, where you and my mother were raised. I have fond memories of visiting there when I was a young kid. I never could have found that place without you giving me directions from the back seat of our car. Finally, I just want to tell you what a wonderful aunt you have been to me, and for whatever years the Lord has left for you on this earth, may he continue to richly bless you. And may you look forward to many more years, even richer and more joyous years, when you meet Jesus face to face in heaven. Love, your nephew, John. Well, I hope that gives you some ideas of a letter format that you could write to someone you know, even someone who's the oldest person you know. I sure hope I don't get any of those letters, but uh, the point is, uh, take some time and bless someone and encourage them by writing them a letter. As always, another thing you can do in response to today's episode is to let me and your fellow listeners know what resonated with you about today's episode. You can share your thoughts in the leave a reply box at the bottom of the show notes, or you can send them to me in an email to john at caringforothers.org. In closing, I hope your thinking was stimulated by today's show to both reflect and to act so that you will find the joy that God intends for you through your relationships. Because after all, you were made for this. And now for our relationship quote of the week to close things out. And I really love this, especially in the context of my, my letter to Aunt Lucille. It's an African proverb, and it goes like this. When an old person dies, a library burns to the ground. When an old person dies, a library burns to the ground. I really like that. hope you do too. Well, that's all for today, and I'll see you next week. Goodbye for now. Goodbye for now.